The Airline Business Podcast is sponsored by Panasonic Avionics. Hello and welcome to the Airline Business Podcast, discussing key news and trends in the global airline sector. This time, 2023 is almost over, but was it a good year for the airline? My name is Graham Dunn, Executive Editor at Flight Global, and joining me as ever is Airline Business Editor Lewis Harper. Hi, Lewis. Hi, Graham. How are you? Yeah, good. We're just sort of winding down from um, from the year 2023, and I mean, as ever, you get to this time of year, and uh, everything everything becomes reflective, doesn't it? It does, yeah. You, you're sort of looking back, and equally, um, yeah, wanting to look forward and trying to guess what. Um, next year will bring and um yeah it's quite instructive sometimes i think to look back at what we thought 2023 was going to bring and um in many ways i think um while i think in the second half we're going to focus a bit more on some of the the challenges but i think um 2023 um did bring some you know pretty positive d- developments for the industry um and some some were surprises you know some were expected um, clearly, as I say, there have been um, new challenges emerge as well. But I think going into 2023, there was obviously an expectation that the industry was powering out of COVID more. But also going into this year, we knew that China hadn't hadn't um, reopened yet, and that that was going to always weigh on. Certainly, when you look at uh, Asia Pacific's recovery and and even the global recovery, given what a huge market is without that international traffic it was always going to weigh on 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 the recovery um and and also in 2022 obviously a big theme was was some of the operational challenges that that happened at airports and um you know i remember going into this year thinking you know it has have we overcome them and i think to an extent maybe we did but obviously new things emerged so but you were at the um iata global media day weren't you recently and that was quite a good opportunity to hear what what they were thinking on on sort of how things had gone wasn't it yeah very much so i mean the outtake or the outcome or <laughs> i'm sure there's a proper <laughs> word for that uh but certainly the view ultimately is it was probably a better year than than expected actually when iata had increased their industry profit forecasts for 2023 about halfway through the year uh, as, as some of those factors kicked in and in fact in their latest forecast they they doubled it again and um you know the industry was seen making a profit of around or seen making a profit of you know a little bit over 20 million us uh, 20 billion us dollars i always get those who confused million billion um which is you know actually you know a very creditable creditable performance i mean i ought to as they regularly do uh, point out that, you know, in terms of a per passenger margin, you know, airlines are still making essentially the price of uh, a cup of coffee on that. I mean, fortunately, the price of a cup of coffee has increased <laughs> exponentially yeah, due to inflation. It doesn't sound too bad, does But a profit in excess of 20 billion is, is, is you know, pretty respectable. Um, and certainly from you know, I think what people were thinking at the start of the year, much more optimistic around that. Um, you're actually right. It is intriguing going back to where we were a year or so ago. I think when you spoke to um, airline executives, they would mention revenge travel. Everyone talked about revenge travel. Um, and I think there's very much a, 
a question of whether that demand was going to be sustainable or whether it would fall off. And overall, demand has has remained strong, hasn't it? It has, yeah. And, um, you know, uh, it's questionable the value in looking at you know, the period in isolation. But certainly when you do, without thinking about whether, you know, it will turn out to be that that sort of revenge travel or pent up demand is, is, is waning. Certainly in isolation, the year looks very strong. And I think, yeah, in, in, in revenue terms, we all know that that it was a, a year of high yields on the passenger side, if not on the cargo side, as we talked about in the previous pod, although they were still you know above pre-COVID levels, but there are other challenges there. But certainly on the passenger side, it really did turn out to be a year where while margins are still clearly a challenge, as IATA will will regularly talk about, it being one to to remember from that point of view. And after we've talked about several times over the year, plenty of airlines have seen revenue power way above you know 2019 levels this year on on traffic. That while it it's nearly there in in most cases, nearly back, and obviously in some cases beyond 2019 levels. Overall, it's still lagging. Uh, by a few percentage points, uh, um, 2019 levels, and I think next year will will clearly, as I ought to have said, we'll we'll see the 2019 benchmark passed fairly quickly, I think. But but yeah, it's 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 been a a strong year from that point of view, and um and yeah, lot lots to to think about. As our airline business columnist uh, Chris Tarry is is fond of pointing out, um, you know, looking at the industry level, even looking at the regional level, does tend to mask. You know, stories within that which aren't quite as strong and and also, you know, stories where, you know, the market normalisation maybe start, is starting to play through. But yeah, in isolation, a really strong year. As you mentioned, there were there were other concerns going into the year, which, you know, sort of didn't really materialise. So you mentioned the, the operational challenges that we saw last year. And, uh, you know, I, I think we'd probably say that there. It was business as usual year, which um, yeah. it, it isn't great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, we, you know, we obviously had air traffic control issues. You have congestion issues, all the uh, the issues that were there before the crisis. But, you know, those additional scenes, at airports being unable to cope. That at least was one headache that kind of uh, mitigated a bit. Um, and as you say, uh, another factor which is, you know, is probably one of the one of the factors that were that was behind the increase in profitability forecast from IATA was China coming back and how sudden mm. uh, that was. Again, it's difficult difficult to re- remember sort of a period, you know, around a year ago, people were still questioning when China's zero COVID uh, zero tolerance approach to COVID would begin to end because. You know, it was only around this period last year where you started to see the, the signs of a change in, in thinking. And actually, when it came, it came immediately. It did. Yes. And um, and as I said, that that's made a has had a huge impact. I think, um, you know, talked to a lot of CEOs particularly in that region and the, the recovery in China, while it's hugely welcomed and, and, you know, it took a few months really into the year before the, the kind of restrictions were fully released, I think. But. But it, so it has been a slightly tentative return. So that, um, but even so, um, it's um, clearly better, much better than anyone expected going into the year. And as you say, um, you know, generally that kind of view going into this year. I remember obviously Tim Clark talking about ranking the the headwinds the industry was facing, sort of in 
2022 looking into this year sort of nine out of ten you know there were uh where it's ge- geopolitical challenges whether it was um uh, some of the operational challenges no one was 100 percent comfortable um, and a lot of people probably still aren't about you know covid and what impact that might have and i remember willie walsh uh, pushing back against that a bit the IATA director general suggesting the industry's used to dealing with these sorts of challenges and you know generally it's sort of proven that and i think the other and really interesting trend has been on you know, corporate travel, for example, that, you know, when you look at all the predictions of some of the structural changes people perhaps thought might happen as a result of the COVID pandemic, I think one that is actually playing out, and it really it depends on the market, but certainly in some it's quite significant, is the you know, corporate travel is, you know, 60, 70 percent of what it was pre-COVID. But what I think 2023 has shown is that what has sustained is that, you know, that has been replaced by premium leisure travel and and so far, so good on that, really, in, in most markets. You know, that airlines are learning to live maybe with a structurally lower level of corporate travel in some cases. And they've been able to do that. So that, that's, I guess, is another positive coming out of this year. Yeah, and, and the, the sort of the fundamentals are pretty strong. And, and you know, we'll, we'll talk about probably the negative side of the capacity challenges that this industry mm. has faced which shifted less from from whether planes could actually leave and arrive at airports because of the the staff shortages to to more question of whether airlines get hold of aircraft but you know one of the flip sides of that of course is that that's also the constraints on capacity have also led to you know strong load factors and and supported strong yields as well so I think to some extent there is there remains a question about demand in terms of if you had unfettered capacity, would airlines, would they chuck the capacity out there and would that have a negative impact on those on some of the uh, the profitability elements in this industry and what kind of lessons it's learned from the past? But but certainly demand is really encouraging. Yeah, the, the capacity thing is yeah it's a bit of a double-edged sword isn't it as you say mm. it is it, a it's a cap on ambition but equally coming out of a huge crisis certainly for the established players it hasn't been an outright negative I think it's fair to say and in some cases it has certainly for incumbents anyway it's really supported um, uh, a strong recovery you look at load factors they they sort of ending the year around 2019 levels so mm. you know given capacity is uh, globally anyway still slightly off 2019 levels it's reasonable to say that um, it will be interesting what happens when capacity does significantly rise above where we were Um, but having said that we have missed three years of almost certainly would have been growth in airline capacity because of the pandemic so you know even getting back to where we were in 2019 means that we're still behind a long way behind where we would have been uh, otherwise so so yeah clearly also we're heading into 2024 with as you hinted out there, we, we, we know that capacity is going to be restricted next year as well, you know, not least because of the uh, continued supply chain challenges, MRO challenges and the specific challenges around, you know, some uh, Pratt & Whitney engines that are grounding, you know, a significant number of, of aircraft, often at carriers where, you know, a significant number were were already grounded. So, you, you know, you're talking aircraft for, for a be a reasonably large carrier like Indigo, for example, hearing them talk about you know, already having you know thirty 
aircraft on the ground because of supply chain challenges. You add in probably the same again through you know quite a lot of next year. But equally, that might just cap growth rather than, than reduce capacity. So so you know airlines that are continuing to take new aircraft you know can do something about that. You know it's it's not necessarily going to lead to reduced capacity. And you know there are plenty of things airlines are doing in terms of you know wet leasing whatever to to counter it. But it, it does all contribute to an environment where when you've got that strong pent up demand and you've got that capacity um, capped. It's yeah, it's looking all right, and I think more widely looking at what really drives airline demand. You look at the the global economy, and while again, you know, thinking about the headwinds we we thought were ahead, looking into this year, I think it's reasonable to say, you know, again, talking very generally, that things haven't been quite as bad as um as, as some expectations were. You know, inflation, for example, we're ending the year with inflation in a lot of key markets way down on where it was at the start of the year. Oil prices, while there have been some challenges along the way, they're, they're not looking quite as, as scary as perhaps they were at some point. So, you know, in terms of the wider indicators as well, it's, it's certainly not as bad as it could have been. Again, it's not great in many cases. And I think the growth in, in certainly some of the or mature economies globally isn't probably quite as exciting as people would want. But yeah, it's certainly not as bad as it could have been. And and so all underpinning this kind of the sense that, um, that yes, yeah, it's, it's certainly been a year, certainly if you view it in isolation, that, that has been better than expected and, and pretty, you know, some pretty impressive figures. And, and I think that, uh, again, been reflected, hasn't it, in sort of the return of a lot of airlines talking about growth plans. I think that's been something we've noticed over the past few months. Yeah, I think maybe we saw maybe earlier in the in the year, or maybe even a bit last year, airlines and airline CEOs would maybe say, "Oh, the pandemic's behind us now," but you didn't really get the sense they necessarily believed it. <laughs> I think there's a sort of a fear of, you know, they're almost trying to bring in some positive thinking around that. And you know, at this stage, as you say, markets like China, international capacity of China is still well down, but you know. The pandemic in parts of the market, <laughs> the impact of it is still being felt. But I think what was clear is this year was a really clear, obvious shift in the mentality of boardrooms and of shareholders that it is time to get on with it. It is time to start thinking positively again. As I think I mentioned on the podcast last time, you barely meet uh, or talk to an airline CEO where there isn't either a a plan, um, you know, to double the size of the fleet or to increase operating margins. And we've seen both uh, IAG and um, and Air France very recently, Air France Calais very recently, setting out their kind of long-term investment plans. And of course, it's been, you know, this is stuff that has, it's all been on hold for two, three years whilst they're in sort of crisis management. And so you can see now that the airlines are looking ahead. And that's why, you know, and it's no coincidence that we're seeing this glut of aircraft orders coming through now on the one hand that that is a bit self-perpetuating you do have airlines are having now to <laughs> with it as as delivery slots uh get eaten up airlines start to think oh well maybe we better order some aircraft as well but it's very much of that mindset of people are thinking you know what are we going to do where are we going to be in the next 10 years and airlines are have finally got the bandwidth to think about that again and I think that's probably the biggest success story of this year 
yes, it's been a profitable year. It, you know, nothing compared to the losses that, that have been made in over during the course of the pandemic. But I think it's one of mindset, and I think you are seeing airlines thinking forward again, both in terms of their own fleet plans and also a bit more in terms of of consolidation and partnership as well. Exactly, yeah, that, that consolidation aspect of this year has been quite striking as well, I think, particularly as we, we come towards the end of uh, of the year. Again, as you say, I think it does reflect that that sense that COVID is properly behind us and we're looking looking ahead. And, you know, all of this is about suddenly, you know, you do need to think about that long-term capacity. And certainly I think consolidation is is a part of the, the, the thinking there as well in some cases, you know, it, no one's firefighting anymore, essentially. So we're back thinking about scale and the long term strategy there. So, you know, the as you say, the, the consolidation side of things is, is going to be a theme. I think we're going to see in 2024. Clearly, um, while there are lots of moves ongoing, I think um, there's, there's a lot to lots of regulators to get past and, and a lot of decisions to be made there. And I think um, 2024 will be a year where a lot of that, I think, will, will play out and will certainly be really interesting where we are in a year's time to see you know how many of these deals that are being talked about at the moment or are in progress at the moment have actually come to pass so i think that part's really interesting and i think i can't really tell what who is going to blink first <laughs> as this regulator or an airline but i think eventually an airline will decide the price of the cost or the, the price of growing is worth the concession here. I don't know which airline that will be, but I think eventually one of the big European network carriers will probably decide, you know, let's go for it. And I think when that happens, <laughs> they'll all go for it. But whether that happens next year or whether that whether that's a little bit away, who knows? I think it's I think it's the really interesting because I, I I'm not sure there's any for a lot of airlines there's not really any alternative. I think you only have to look at the challenge that you know, Norwegian and Vidro uh, are having and getting that deal over the line. You know, these these carriers already have strong positions in their domestic home markets. <laughs> they, they, they can't really strengthen that anymore, almost from a regulatory perspective. So where else are they going to grow? How are they going to get those synergies? And, you know, the flip side of that consolidation, we talked about people thinking long term ahead. I think you've also got people thinking long term ahead who find themselves back running airlines that don't want to be. So you have governments. I mean, in Portugal, you have the Portuguese government, admittedly now probably a different Portuguese government, but you have a Portuguese government which has kind of sold TAP. <laughs> you know, oh, well, that's not something we have to worry about. It's not our concern. And now finds itself as the, as the owner again. Precisely, yeah. And that, that is certainly a, a story to, to, to watch uh, next year, how that, how, how that one plays out. But of course, we know that what's interesting is that, you know, whatever regulators do, it, it doesn't necessarily, um, you know, stopping consolidation doesn't mean that, you know, everything's fine and rosy, you know, with lots of competition from that moment on, as we've seen in Colombia, for example, this year, where, you know, distressed airlines, you know, Avianca, for example, interested in Viva Air or the interest there was in Ultra Air, you know, two, two airlines collapsing, um, and, you know, the concessions weren't worth it for any interested party to actually take them on. But all that happens is those two airlines disappear anyway and and the market shifts towards the established players 
um, yeah, clearly it might open up opportunities for, you know, JetSmart, for example, uh, moving in there. But, um, yeah, whatever happens, it's not like uh, the decision not to go ahead with the consolidation means that um, that the uh, competitive environment is saved and, and um, consumers are going to be, uh, uh, you know, washed with options on, on those um, routes or at those airports, whatever. So from that point of view, we're obviously um, the big, big decision on JetBlue and Spirit to come. Um, I say that tentatively because like there's one way we can guarantee there'll be a decision is to say that now and uh, <laughs> it'll happen before we're able to put the podcast out. But yeah, that's a really interesting one. I think if that does get blocked, there's you know what what's going to play out there because we know that you know that some of the US carriers, for example, in the in the low cost sphere haven't had the the strongest year, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, so. And there's more happening, obviously, of uh, Alaska and Hawaiian. That an interesting one from, you know, a face value, quite disparate networks, and and uh, really interesting to see how the regulators handle that. Um, yeah, so uh, really want to watch in 24. But again, I think as you say, a reflection of that that acceptance we're we're powering out of COVID, and and we're thinking again about the longer term in in plenty of uh, areas around the world. So we have taken an unusually positive uh, outlook, probably not that positive, but we no, have <laughs> a positive and look at the upsides and the, the positives for the year from uh, for the Ellen industry. We'll be back on more regular form looking at the challenges and risks uh, that, that this industry might face in the second half. Hello listeners, I'm Andy Mason and I want to introduce you to Beyond Entertainment, a new podcast from Panasonic Avionics. Each week we sit down with the best and brightest in our industry for a quick chat on the future of passenger experience. Everything from display and audio technology to in-flight Wi-Fi and killer digital content to meaningful market research. We're looking at what's now, what's new and what's next. So join us as we explore the passenger experience go beyond entertainment available now on your favorite podcasting platforms or on our website panasonic.aero forward slash beyond entertainment so welcome back and we talked uh before the break about the positives of which you know it was broadly i think uh, broadly a positive year for the industry and certainly some of the things that we worried might be a problem weren't as much of a problem but <laughs> some things were um revenues went up but it's but it is just as well they went up because costs were on the up as well weren't they yeah and i think this is all yeah as, as you say we tried our hardest just to focus on the positives but but yeah this 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 is all linked really because as you say we we've seen while traffic was lagging 2019 levels revenues were way above on a certainly on a looking at a macro level of the industry. So a key point is that the second there starts to be any softness in those yields, and, you know, as we talked about, it's a it's a low, it's always historically been a low margin industry, and um, it's certainly that, that doesn't seem to have changed coming out of COVID. So I think, in, you know, something really we're going to be watching closely is our costs looking into 2024. When you look at some of the, the US carriers um, towards the end of the year, some of the their their financial reporting. I think because they some certainly on the low on the low cost side have started to see um some sort of softness in fares and some sort of demand moderation compared with the real 
strong period they'd had for the, the previous 12 months. Um, they're, they're starting to notice, I think, that those higher costs are, are biting a bit. So, you know, a few surprising losses at, at a couple of carriers um, in, in what was generally quite a positive period. And I think it's um, it's it's obviously the US is, is, is one to watch because it relatively advanced. But in terms of the big markets coming out of COVID, I think it, because of its large domestic market and um, you know other connectivity with, with places that, that lowered the COVID restrictions more quickly, I think that could be a bellwether for what might happen elsewhere. I think those costs, when we're talking about costs, I think one is particularly important and possibly structural is, is on the labour side. So we know that, you know, in the US market, there's a, you know, challenges around getting pilots. So you know, some of the, the new labour agreements have included some quite eye-watering, you know, increases in, in salaries for, for pilots and, and crew more generally. And at the moment, as you say, has is, is mostly been offset by, by the, the strong revenues. But it is a structural change. And when capacity starts coming back even more when there's newer new aircraft coming into the market and it will be interesting to watch and something to keep a close eye on and and fuel as well is interesting isn't it because that probably gets more headlines as a cost quite rightly because it's um in some cases because of the percentage of costs it is for airlines um but but that sort of again some doom laden predictions for that a few weeks and months ago but but perhaps not quite as bad as it as it looked I mean, fuel is, it's always the thing that people worry about. And you've obviously had, uh, you know, a major, major spike across the year. It, it has sort of, um, dropped off a little bit. In fact, you know, largely the, the forecasts now are that it won't be quite such, such a problem. It's still at a high level. It's, you know, I mean, nobody expects it to, to drop massively down and, you know, airlines are particularly hard hit by uh, what's called the, the the crack spread, the the extra cost involved in, in refining it for uh, jet fuel. Um, so, you know, it is still a major factor. But, you know, I think quite often when you talk about airlines and you talk about their, their environment, it is actually the thing they struggle with the most isn't necessarily high costs. Per se, although I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure they would complain about that. But it is the volatility; it is the change in costs. So I think, to some extent, airlines have high fuel had high fuel costs baked in into you know at least their near to midterm environment. It is it is when things you have additional costs, whether that's labour, and that's obviously when there's change in in airport fees and stuff. But, uh, it's those kinds of costs that, that probably worry airlines a bit more. Though undoubtedly the fundamentals of the, of the oil price isn't great. I think you're broadening, broadly seeing airlines sort of comfortable with where they, where they are. There doesn't seem to be a feeling that it's going to get any worse. No, exactly. And that, that volatility is, 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 yeah, is clearly important. I think on, on that sort of thing i think that when you look at i guess some of the other challenges uh looking into 24 whether it's you know supply chain mro delays part shortages um and the the, the obvious skill shortages so you know there are in so many economies there there's a lack of skilled workers and you know for multitude of reasons but often because people were laid off during covid and found other jobs or retired but but equally 
I think the industry's had a while to get used to that, and we're sort of we we've heard a lot of a lot more CEOs, I guess, this year talk about talk about those those limits on on growth and and those sort of realities for the foreseeable future. Um, and I suppose the yeah, while they continue to be a right a real pain for a multitude of reasons, looking into twenty four, I guess there there also isn't any excuse really to be surprised by them. So yeah, that that they are again you know key challenges in in twenty four, but equally I think in a lot of cases um you know that th- there has been time to prepare for this and um and you know unfortunately. You know, an aircraft being six months late is sort of baked in, as is the fact that your you know, A320 is going to sit on the ground for, for four weeks longer than you would normally have expected it to because of the lack of spare engines or, or whatever at the moment. It's, 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 it's the reality that the industry is, is facing. And like you say, it's when there's a new thing chucked into the mix, that's when it, it really gets um, difficult. And I don't think we can... Uh, <laughs> Uh, looking ahead to 24 really um make any guesses in that regard i mean as we as we've seen you know with the the situation in israel and uh, gaza um you know th- these things come along um not not out of nowhere but certainly without without too much warning sometimes and as we saw in 22 with with russia's invasion of, of ukraine we th- these things will happen and um and i guess the impact of those will play through and you talk about the geopolitical things and and, and the situation in Israel and the impact there is a, a very good example. You know, we certainly journalistically, we, you know, we're there immediately thinking, well, you know, what's the impact? What how is this impacting? You can see there are there are clearly some airlines, as was the case with Russia and Ukraine. There are some airlines which are very directly impacted and you know has a huge impact on their fortunes. But you're looking at what the wider impact is, and there's, of course, there's a uh, certainly with Russia, Ukraine, there was a there was a much wider impact around fuel, and of course the overflights uh, element for for Russia was a major issue. But you know, I think what we've seen with the whole situation in Israel and Gaza, the it, it's very much it has a short you know it has a short term impact because airlines suddenly will have a portion of their routes they can't operate. Uh, and they have some capacity that isn't doing anything. And, you know, those near term targets, especially we've seen in the fourth quarter, you know, targets around uh, traffic revenue growth and by definition, a, an impact on profit. There is a hit there. But of course, once they've had a couple of months, you know, they can deploy that capacity elsewhere. They can work out where to fly it. And at the moment, because capacity is constrained, because you have markets coming back, there are other places you can deploy that capacity and deploy it relatively comfortably. So so for many airlines, they might want to, uh, you know, in, in an ideal world, be serving uh, Tel Aviv because it's a, a good profitable market. But actually, it, it doesn't have a massive long term effect on, on large amounts of the carriers. And you look at uh, you know, Arta, Willie Walsh was flagging, you know, even October traffic, you know, a, a month of the, of the heaviest disruption. You know, airlines have the least time to adjust their capacity. But, you know, Middle East traffic as a whole was on the up. That grew um, again. So, you know, at an aggregate level, it doesn't necessarily have that much impact. And you have seen, you know, we've seen Lufthansa, Lufthansa Group talking about uh, resuming some portion of flights. Uh, to Tel Aviv in, in January, you know, already there's there's sort of hints that hopefully that might not be a, a, a long term impact. You know, the impact around Russia, Ukraine, again, 
you've had airlines who are very affected, someone like Finnair, for example, were very affected by that because that's impacted the whole Asian strategy. But again, they've had some time to sort of come up with an alternative. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I think the key point you make there is that capacity constraint globally, again, is um, does mean that, yeah, um, it's not that difficult to, well, clearly deeply regret what's going on in, in some of these countries. You, um, it's it's not that difficult to, to find somewhere else to, to fly your aircraft. And um, as we know, that isn't going to change in 24. I think um, the, the problem everywhere is, is the lack of aircraft. So when these challenges come up and that you know that's not to say they they all play out like that but certainly some of these challenges while they have a very severe impact on on a small number of carriers don't even you know sort of touch the sides in some cases when you when you stand back and look at the the bigger industry you know perhaps if they were happening in a period where everyone was over capacity and yeah would be felt more keenly elsewhere but certainly you know in 24 i think we can safely say there aren't going to be many carriers who would struggle to find somewhere else to put their capacity clearly uh looking beyond geopolitical issues and we as i say we can't can't guess what's to come next there we do know that natural disasters are a, a theme and you know talking about you know sustainability and the in the the airline industry, we often focus on you know sustainable fuel and, and that side of things. What what it means for the business of running an airline, but certainly we also know that one thing they've got to get used to is is probably more instances of um, you know we saw the devastating wildfires in in Hawaii, for example, some some similarly in, in roads I think last year and the impact that that had on on airlines and um, you know we've recently seen him and while I don't think so far it's had a huge impact in terms of airspace i think the volcano in iceland is a, a reminder a very a stark reminder i think there of, of you know while we talk about things in the industry being out of the hand of the airlines i think that that's probably the ultimate example really um, and while obviously as i say it has the volcano hasn't necessarily affected airspace i think some of the the, the airlines in um in iceland will, will certainly be um seeing a bit of a demand drop off for travel in, into the country as a result. So I, I think in 24, again, obviously, as I say, we can't guess what's coming, but any airline that's, you know, walking blindly into next year, not worrying about those sorts of things or not with plans in place to do all those kind of things is is clearly a failing, I think, because we, we know these things are going to come. And, um, and and as I say, it's an aspect of the sustainability challenge that, that perhaps... Um, doesn't get talked about quite as much, you know, but, but certainly airlines as, as businesses having those contingency plans in place are increasingly important when we know these, these natural events are, are be- going to become more frequent, I think, unfortunately, looking into the future there. You know, also around environment, I think one of the big stories of this year, which ties into to a number of those things, is around the, the potential for government policy in order to tackle the environment having an impact uh and we've seen that very obviously in play at uh, amsterdam Schiphol airport uh where you know the government unilaterally attempted to enforce um, some capacity cuts there as a way of countering aircraft noise or you know which is kind of almost have forgotten about uh, environmental topic in amongst everything else and you know that was very interesting in terms of the airlines kind of won a reprieve on that but i mean the reprieve they've won uh and and that in itself was interesting because you had uh not only the european commission you had the u.s department of uh of transport kind of weighing in 
you know, in support of the airlines. In this instance, sort of based around the the manner in which the project was done. Um, so it doesn't necessarily rule out that capacity cuts could still come at, at the airport, you know, and, and Singapore wasn't the only airport where this kind of thing is is happening. And, you know, capacity at at airports in Europe, one way or the other, is going to be to be a challenge because it is difficult to see that it is going to be any easier to get capacity. And the idea that you might lose some capacity, you know, remains a, a concern for airlines. It does, yeah. And like you say, it's, it's, it's sort of not sure whether that Schiphol story in particular should be should have been in the good news bit because it felt like get that temporary reprieve at least was very welcome because, um, as is pointed out quite often, Schiphol is an incredibly busy hub airport in a place that, you know, it's, it's an outsized airport for what the local O&D traffic would be. So it's very much you know, a, a model hub airport there and um, such a, a huge thing to start you know capping that capacity and you know sort of you know upsetting the business model so so but you know to get that reprieve was sort of one of this year's good news stories i don't think anyone's going to be relaxing thinking well that's that's out of the the way now clearly it's encouraging that there was a degree of intervention at a governmental or above level to, to try and stop it happening uh, but then equally like you say whether you nothing recently as politicians in uh, talking about capping night flights at, at Brussels or situation in Mexico, I think, where there's some moves by the government to cap operations at the main airport there. I think, you know, it's it's something I know that IATA are concerned about, and I don't think anyone will be relaxed on that looking into next year. And as you say, I think one of the 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 key points here is that there's sort of a danger that the, the very much the shift in the narrative is towards certainly in some geographies that the idea would even be considering talking about expanding airport capacity in certain geographies is is for the birds a bit when you're kind of fighting just to stop the existing capacity being being cut so you know that said there are you know areas of the world we look to dubai for example where they're talking about moving to the to the um, the new airport there i think that there, there clearly are areas where that challenge doesn't exist but but i, I think it will probably only like to spread as the the airline sustainability challenge grows. So, so I think um, how that plays out yes, next year will be really interesting. And um, if we see more examples of it coming up, it's clearly something that, that is a concern for the industry. Um, and it will again challenge those, um, as we've seen at Schiphol, it, it will, it won't just be um, local carriers that will be worried about it. It'll be those that, that fly into those airports as well. And that, that throws up all sorts of challenges around what, what open skies agreements there are between between the countries and things so yeah the last area just to talk about i think and we decided to put this in the in the challenges section rather than the positive but it's a story which you know arguably you could put in either especially after virgin atlantic's um 100 sap um operated flight is around that environmental challenge and so forth there has been progress there has been progress across the year but i suppose you could argue that the industry's progress towards sap when we say the industry i think we're talking about you know a far wider industry that goes well beyond mm. what airline the airlines have and what the airlines are able to control themselves it does feel like by all the progress that has been made and this undoubted progress that the challenge has just got a little bit bigger 
I think so. Yeah, I think, and that's partly, um, and airlines have not been backward about sort of saying that. I think in some cases as well, it's been through so many stages. I think in a few short years that the airlines sort of sustainability journey, and I think it's it's sort of recently got to the point now where. Yeah, there are some mandates in place around SAF usage, and certainly in Europe, um, there are airlines who they want to be using more of it, whether there's a mandate in place or not. Um, but I think there's a very stark realization that, you know, while it was great progress to agree these net zero targets and everything, that really the the work really needs to happen. As you say, that's not that's not in any way all within the the, the grasp of, of the airline industry to do on its own. So. Um, and on SAF is it's clearly um, it's you know when you look at the amount being produced and and what needs to happen just to start touching the sides of those targets whether it's five percent ten percent usage by 2030 whatever it's pretty big and as everyone will point out it takes several years to get a SAF plant up and running so if we end 2024 and there's not much more production or much more production in the works than 23 began it does start to look pretty challenging and of course the SAF that is produced is a, is incredibly expensive, you know, several times the cost of jet fuel. So that challenge um, is ramping up and I the airline industry isn't backwards about about highlighting that. Um, there are obviously other parts of that whole sustainability challenge to keep an eye on. I think contrails is an interesting one, whether the, if more research starts coming through that, that they have a much bigger impact on the environment than, than is currently presumed. I think that will be an interesting one to watch. Again, I think some of the you know, SAF plays, perhaps plays a role in encountering that. Certainly, eventually, hydrogen power could be a, a big part in that. But it'd be interesting to see how 24 develops in that, that regard, I think. Well, we're going to be thinking a bit more about how 2024 develops with a special bonus pod that we have lined up. Uh, for early in the new year. So we will be looking at our airline stories to watch. I think that's how we're framing it, isn't it? Yeah, we've, we've had a go at the positive and negative and I think we'll, 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 we'll try and couch it slightly differently for that one. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. So uh, we'll be coming back at you with um, another pod early in January. But for now and for this year, Lewis, that's it. Thank you very much, as ever. Cheers, Graham. Have a good Christmas. Yes, you too. And uh, and to well, everyone listening to this, or or have a good, hope you had a good Christmas if you listened to this. You'd already broken away and are listening to this after Christmas. So thanks again to Panasonic Avionics for sponsoring the podcast. Do give the Beyond Entertainment podcast a listen. A uh, reminder, you can catch up with all the news and stories we've mentioned on this podcast at flyglobal.com. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please like us, please review us, and uh, don't forget to subscribe so you get new episodes in your feeds immediately without having to do anything. And we'll see you again next year. <laughs>